Hello, and welcome to another installment of The Weird Chronicles. Each episode, we bring you tales of action and adventure from Malifaux and the other side. Today's story features Dr. McMorning and his trusty manservant, Sebastian. McMorning is well known among Malifaux's criminal element for providing a wide range of illicit undead services, from muscle-bound flesh constructs to zombie dancing girls. But as today's story shows, Sebastian occasionally gets a little mixed up. I hope you enjoy Not Quite What the Doctor Ordered. Not Quite What the Doctor Ordered by Graham Stevenson I heard you're the man to speak to about obtaining certain things, the man said. McMorning shrugged. I don't know what you mean, dear boy. The man looked pleased. I thought so. I need something special for a job my boys and me is setting up. A real sweet nut and profitable. McMorning examined his fingernails and yawned dramatically. Indeed. Something disposable, if you know what I mean. The man said, winking elaborately. Giggling, McMorning winked back. What a curious little man you are, he said. Why in the world would you think that I could help you? The man tipped his frayed bowler an increment further forward and shrugged his heavy coat a little higher around his shoulders. It was cold in the alley. A friend of a friend told me you can get your hands on certain trade items. This friend also told me you can make special orders for a price. Did he? McMorning asked, his face a perfectly non-committal mask. He did, the man affirmed. For a price. How peculiar. The man offered a cheeky grin, mostly gums and three broken teeth. I'll tell you, shall I? And you can decide whether it's worth your time if you like, McMorning said. We're doing a job across town, a jeweler's by the name of Black and Trump. The chap who owns it owes another chap quite a lot of money, and that chap's friend happens to be a friend of mine. We've taken it upon ourselves to help out, so to speak. How interesting. Only thing is, there's a night watchman, see? And he's armed. My boys and me don't fancy tangling with that, which is where you comes in. We need something to take care of him while we does the blag. No killing, of course. We can do without that kind of eat from the guild. But something that won't have no fear of a gun and can keep the watchman occupied until we've finished. Understand? The doctor simply smiled. We'll need it for the 31st. That's the night of the black. Streets'll be emptier than a lush's sherry glass by nightfall. No one goes out on All Hallows' Eve if they can help it. You leave it for us in the alley behind St Pancreas Place by sundown, and we'll make sure you're cut in for an healthy slice. Know what I mean? I'm sorry, my boy. 
McMorning said. I really have no idea what you're talking about. He shook the man's hand to conclude the deal, tipped his hat, and went on his way. So you see, Doc, I need help. McMorning perched on a bar stool with a grimy shot glass of green liquid held between two long fingers. Doctor, he corrected. The man across from him was as close as someone could get to resembling a weasel without actually being one. His clothing had been fine quality once, twenty years and many cigars ago. I just can't seem to keep a hold on them, you see. The man was lamenting. Either they get too mouthy, or they want a pay rise, or they get into a ruckus with the misses of one of my regulars. I run a nice classy place, you see. The gentlemen and ladies, all the highest quality. And it reflects poorly on the club when a hostess girl gets involved with the wrong fella. McMorning blinked in mock surprise. Oh, I beg your pardon. Were you talking to me? Looks just isn't enough these days. The weasel continued, unfazed. I need something new for the club, something exotic, something that no other club's got. Something that doesn't get lippy when you tell it to get on stage and dance. Doesn't expect to be paid. And most of all won't run off with one of the regulars and get me into hot water with my best paying customers. Are you with me, Doc? Doctor, McMorning corrected. I heard that you're a good man to see about this sort of thing, that you can get me something original. Never had anything original at the club before. Can you do me something original, Doc? Doctor, McMorning said, and knocked back his glass of absinthe. You know, a touch macabre, the weasel was saying, holding his hands out as he visualized the spectacle in the middle distance. Something seasonal. All Hallows' Eve is just around the corner, and I can't think of a better time to launch a new attraction. It'll bring the punters in from miles around put the silver shoe back on the map. McMorning placed his glass on the bar and watched the weasel from under heavy lids. The weasel jumped as if the realization had just hit him. And of course you'd see a piece of the profit. McMorning was motionless. A big piece, the weasel elaborated. Satisfied, the guild mortician stretched, cricked his neck and stood, prompting the weasel to hop to his feet in sympathy. If you can get it ready for me by, say, the 31st, that would give me time to get a stage act organized, the weasel said. Leave it for me in the alley behind the Salubrious Brothers warehouse, and I'll send a few boys to pick it up. McMorning shook the weasel's hand. A fascinating conversation, he said with a grin. But I'm afraid I really have no idea what you're talking about. Now, if you'll excuse me. He swept out. Right, Sebastian. They're ready. The doctor put down the needle and thread and surveyed his work. On his left was a slender, one corpse of a woman with excellent high cheekbones, hair like spun gold and long dancer's legs. He'd been careful to make the stitches extra small at the joints, so that with the right attire and flattering light, 
she would be virtually indistinguishable from a real, living, breathing hostess. He'd struck a careful balance between being visually very appealing and enough of a suggestion of cruelty in the face to stop drunks mistaking her for a shoulder to cry on. On his right was a meat titan, hands like clumps of bananas and legs as thick as pier pilings. His creation would strike terror into the heart of any night watchman. He'd been careful to cut any true aggression out of this one's brain. It looked the part, but was actually relatively meek as constructions of this size went. It would have no qualms about grappling and holding, but would be very unlikely to squeeze too hard, even by accident. Both of his creations had been challenges, but McMorning was no amateur. Besides, it was more than the money. He had a reputation to upkeep. Sebastian began to cram the two new specimens into their respective canvas body bags. You remember where they're to go? McMorning asked for the hundredth time. Sebastian nodded, pushing the last few strands of golden hair into the brown bag and stitching it closed. This one is to be left behind the Salubrious Brothers' warehouse and make sure you cover it with something. I don't want my handiwork half-eaten by rats before they find it. Sebastian began cramming the second specimen into a larger black sack, struggling mightily to get it all in. And that one goes to... The doctor prompted. Sebastian rolled his eyes. That's right. McMorning nodded. Behind St. Pancreas Place. His taciturn assistant began sewing the black bag closed with a sigh. There's no point in getting huffy about it, Sebastian. The doctor snapped. These two represent a significant investment of my time and skills, and I want them delivered correctly and on time. He glanced up at the narrow windows along the top of the mortuary wall, still light but waning fast. You'd better get moving, Sebastian. The lab assistant glanced up at the windows, then back at McMorning with a quizzical expression. I know it's still light, but it's All Hallows' Eve. The streets are full of children dressed up as ghosts and goblins. Who's going to look twice at a lumpy manservant carrying two sacks? Sebastian's eyes fell, obviously wounded. Oh, don't be upset, old fellow. I didn't mean lumpy exactly, just, well, let's say there's a certain haphazardness about your proportionality. Sebastian's eyes remained on the tiled floor. Oh, really, Sebastian? You simply must learn to develop a thicker skin. You know I don't mean anything by what I say. Why, I couldn't get anything done around here without you. Sebastian's eyes didn't move, but McMorning could tell he was listening. Simply indispensable, that's you. He went on, positively my favorite lab assistant. Sebastian looked up with hope and caution. There he is. McMorning grinned. I knew I could count on you to get the job done. Good old, indispensable, faithful, dependable, uh, handsome Sebastian. That's what I always say. The lab assistant grinned, his lopsided and scarred face screwing into an unsightly mask. Splendid fellow, McMorning said while ushering his squat associate to pick up the bodies. Now come along, come along. There's not a moment to lose. Sebastian lifted the brown bag over one shoulder easily, but grunted and puffed and strained before getting the huge black sack over the other. 
His stocky legs quivered for a moment until he righted himself. All set? Good. McMorning nodded towards the door. Off you go, then. Sebastian had made it all the way across the lab and was in the process of trying to open the door with a body over both shoulders when the doctor cleared his throat. Oh, and Sebastian? His servant looked back with difficulty, his face already puce with exertion. You're not thinking about trying to acquire any candy while you're out, are you? Sebastian's eyes widened with innocence and denial. Don't give me that face, the doctor scolded. I know you only too well. Given half a chance, you'd be off scrounging toffees and humbugs with the rest of those urchins, wouldn't you? Sebastian shook his head vehemently. I know you better than that. Just remember you've got a job to do. I need those bodies planted on time. There'd better not be any mix-ups. With the weary sigh of the persecuted, Sebastian shuffled out through the door and away down the corridor, taking his morbid cargo with him. Outside, the world had transformed into a carnival. Sebastian stared, his misshapen jaw hanging open, as streams of giggling kids washed around him, festooned in paper streamers, ghost sheets, green face paint and plaster masks. Some carried hollowed-out turnips with small nubs of lit candles in them. Others had wicker baskets with steadily growing cargoes of chestnuts, apples, sweet rolls and hard candies. They swirled around him like bright confetti on a breeze, screaming and cavorting, as only children in the grip of too much sugar can. Malifaux was a grim place to be on All Hallows' Eve, once the shadows swallowed the city. But in the last few hours of twilight, the populace celebrated the season in fierce defiance of the night to follow. As McMorning had pointed out, on any other day, a squat man in a lab coat carrying two body-like shapes and sacks might have appeared suspicious. But there was such a bewildering procession of the bazaar on the streets that evening that Sebastian actually appeared quite humdrum by comparison. It was so rare an occasion that Sebastian actually got out into the world unsupervised, while still in the daylight hours, that he found himself fighting a certain reluctance to be about his business. How could anyone contemplate such a mundane task as delivering two bodies when he could be off running through the streets with the children, dancing and laughing and eating far too much confectionery? Sebastian, bless him, wasn't that much more than a child himself, now that the good doctor had removed all those nuisance bits of brain that just got in the way of being a really good manservant. He went so far as to shuffle to the corner of the main road and watch the roaming families in the dying light, torn between duty and a rare freedom from his master's leash. There were at least two hours of sunlight left, he reasoned. If he was quick about his duties, there might be some time left over for him to sample the delights of All Hallows' Eve. Resolute, he hurried back up the alley, making for the quarantine zone. He could save himself twenty minutes by cutting through that dangerous ruin to get around behind St Pancreas Place. Burying the brown sack under a mound of rags behind St Pancreas Place and propping the black sack up behind a stack of pallets at the salubrious brothers' warehouse went faster than he could have hoped. It was a careful art, stashing bodies for collection. They had to be hidden well enough to escape the notice of a casual passerby. 
yet be easy enough to find for those who knew to look. He even remembered to slip a reagent vial into each sack. They'd just be so much meat without them. Admittedly, sometimes Sebastian overlooked those little details. It wasn't really his fault. The doctor should have been more careful with his scalpel if he wanted an assistant with a good memory. But after a few unhappy customers, Sebastian had had the importance of leaving a reagent vial with each body drummed into him with a club. His lopsided grin returned as he straightened up the pallets and took one last look around for unwanted attention. There was still an hour or more before sundown, and he could be back to the terraced residences and their squealing inhabitants in 15 minutes if he hurried. Sebastian heard the festivities long before he saw them, and his pace quickened even more, his stomach gurgling at the thought of roasted nuts and spicy pastries. When he got out into Cotter Boulevard, the entire wide street was filled with people. Many of the parents wore their Sunday best, the men in starched collars and spats, and the women in silk and bustles, while their children tore around them waving masks made from plaster or baked flour paste, stained green, red, blue, and yellow with food dye. Some of the more well-to-do or creative parents had sewn together little robes or costumes, and Sebastian saw more than his share of white-sheet ghosts and black-skirted witches in the scrum. Families meant traders, and the street corners were thick with them, selling little cones of roasted chestnuts, hot pastry swirls filled with currants and chopped fruit, candied apples, and cups of hot spiced cider. Sebastian had not a penny to his name, but he stared lustfully at a hot pastry swirl for so long that the merchant, quite unnerved, simply handed it to him as a sacrifice and vanished around the corner, barrow and all. The flaky pastry was hot enough to burn the roof of Sebastian's mouth, but that only added to the cacophony of sensation when the explosion of syrupy fruit hit his tongue. With a sigh of utter bliss, Sebastian slithered down the wall and sat, legs splayed, munching slowly on his prize and watching a happy world bustle past. Night arrived, and the alley would have been pitch black, but for the single bullseye lantern, shielded further by a calloused hand. It'll be here someplace, a voice said. Check over by them crates, said a second. The darkness rattled for a while, then the figure moved further down the alley. Yeah, the first voice said, shone the light over here. A mound of fabric cast-offs appeared through the black, and both silhouettes crouched over it. Dig in, the first voice continued. That's the way. Here's something. Drag it out. With a grunt, the second figure hauled out a brown canvas sack. It's a bit small, isn't it? Two said after a bit. Easy, chided one. Bet it's a proper horror. Both men chuckled. Yeah, agreed two. Put the wind right up that watchman. Let's have a look then. A lock knife clicked and rough fabric parted. The bullseye lantern swung in close. There was a long silence. Nice legs, said two eventually. Across the city, a similar catastrophe was unfolding in an equally inky back street. Try back here 
a voice whispered, and two other shadows moved to help. There was some scraping of wood, then fumbling. Yeah, something's here, said another voice. I can feel sackcloth, there's something in it. Good, drag it out. The shadows grunted and struggled for a bit. Must be caught on something, a third voice muttered. There were more fruitless struggles. Give us a hand, dear. Three voices grunted in unison, and something enormous and heavy thudded to the ground. Stone me, she's a big girl, said the first voice. Drag her out, said the second, over here. There were more grunts and unintelligible curses, as an enormity of dead weight was hauled out onto the cobbles. Crikey, wheezed the third voice. She weighs a ton. You sure there's just one in there? Boss says he only asked for one. Maybe there's a spare in there too. Well, let's have a look. The sackcloth was ripped open and a match was struck. The orange bloom was brief, but the alley remained quiet long after it had burned out. Um, said one. There's no way that sparkly costume's gonna fit, said three. Sebastian was having the time of his life, and he owed it all to a straw wig. He'd found it snagged on a picket fence, and in an effort to blend in with the revelry, had sat it on his head. Not so long after that, he'd strolled past a small child in a pastel blue sailor suit, struggling manfully with a walnut that had been rather thoughtlessly gifted, while still in its shell. It had been no effort for one of Sebastian's massive fists to crush the shell to splinters, and hold out his palm for the child to pick out the tasty prize. Within seconds, the child was dragging him by that same hand, along a very tidy paved street, and through an open doorway into a richly appointed townhouse. The rooms and downstairs hallways were full of guffawing men with cigars and brandy glasses, and ladies clinking their associate's champagne flutes, while children of all ages darted between their legs and under the tables. But the child was single-minded in his purpose, and Sebastian was expertly manoeuvred to wear a huge crystal bowl sat filled with walnuts. The child looked up at him expectantly. Sebastian set to work, cracking the walnuts two at a time and feeding them to the boy. As was the way with children, quite suddenly there was another one, and then a whole mob of them. The walnuts went down very well, and then he was roped into some sort of game that involved a lot of running and clambering under tables. Sebastian was rather larger than the other children, and his under-table adventures were not without incident. But they were never in the same room long enough to suffer any recrimination. He wondered more than once quite why the high society socialites tolerated his presence, but it was perhaps the long straw hair and vacant expression that led them to dismiss him as someone or other's affected cousin in a poorly fitting mask. In any event, it didn't get in the way of the fun. The evening wore on, and Sebastian became aware of the darkness outside, and the spectre of Dr. McMorning in his laboratory checking his pocket watch and tapping his long foot with impatience. He decided to have just one more go of the running through the archway and eating a handful of candied fruits then running back again game before he headed for home. Or maybe two more goes. It was almost dawn. 
Sebastian crept as quietly as he could manage along the corridor, which isn't especially quiet when one is morbidly obese and partially lobotomized. The door to the doctor's laboratory was closed, and the shutter behind the glass window was down. That wasn't necessarily a good sign, but it meant there was at least a chance that McMorning had gone home hours earlier and was unaware that his assistant had been out all night. Gingerly cradling the door handle between thumb and forefinger, Sebastian inched the lock open and pushed. McMorning shot upright from where he'd nodded off face down on the dissection gurney, his normally erratic hair positively rabid from a sleepless night. And where have you been? He stormed, springing out of his stool, clearly fizzing mad. Sebastian froze in terror halfway through the door, one thick leg raised in mid-creep. Well? McMorning probed, fixing his sheepish assistant with a piercing glare. The game up. Sebastian came all the way into the laboratory and closed the door softly behind him. I've never known such ingratitude. The doctor was storming. I offer you employment, a roof over your head, not to mention never charging you a single script for all those surgical enhancements I've bestowed upon you over the years. And this is how you repay me? Sebastian chewed his lip and looked at the tiled floor, shoving his hands in his pockets. His fingers touched the miniature tin trumpet, a farewell gift from the sailor suit boy, and his guilty expression softened. McMorning stomped up and down the laboratory, ranting about respect for one's employer and something about the perfect open fruit flan. But Sebastian's thoughts wandered of their own accord back to the previous evening and the anarchic few hours of joy he'd experienced as part of a tribe. The children had been without rancor, without judgment, and for the first time in his memory, which was admittedly patchy, Sebastian had been treated as an equal. Positively spicy. McMorning finished with a long finger flourished in the air. He scowled at Sebastian's dreamy expression. Sebastian, have you heard a word I said? The lab assistant nodded so thoroughly that the doctor's suspicions reached new heights. He scrutinized his subordinate properly for the first time since he had sneaked in. Sebastian, you have a straw wig on your head with a feather in it, he said. And what is that on your face? Sebastian felt the sticky residue of plum preserve on his cheeks, two streaks down either side. The girl called Magda had done that. They'd made a fort in one of the guest rooms from an upturned chaise and a velvet curtain that some of the boys had protected with breadstick rifles, while Magda, Sebastian, and a few of the others had encircled them, whooping like a pack of marauding Indian braves. He remembered Magda telling him in an authoritative manner that all Indian braves wore their war paint this way. Is that jam? What have you been eating, Sebastian? The lab assistant shrugged helplessly. Even if he could have explained his evening, the doctor would never have understood. Well, I take it at least that you managed to complete the task I set you, McMorning inquired. Sebastian nodded. Both of them, yes? Sebastian nodded. Well, good, at least that's done, McMorning said, his evil mood beginning to evaporate. Can't imagine what sort of a mess we'd have had if you dropped the wrong sacks off in the wrong alleys, eh? The doctor chortled. Sebastian grinned. 
I mean, just imagine if you drop the black sack off at the salubrious brothers' warehouse, eh? Imagine their faces. <laughs> Sebastian's grin fell off and smashed on the tiled floor. The doctor wiped at his eyes, clearly tickled at the thought. I say, couldn't you just see their faces if they opened the wrong? Sebastian swallowed, suddenly feeling a creeping nausea pushing up past all the half-digested walnuts and pastries. Wait, McMorning said, his stormy frown returning. You, you did drop off the correct bags in the correct alleys, didn't you? It hadn't been his fault, not really. He'd been so desperate to get back to the street and enjoy the merriment. Besides, he was always getting mixed up. Not that the doctor would see it that way. Sebastian, hissed the mortician. You vanished without a trace for the entire evening with no explanation, and now this? Cringing, Sebastian hung his head like a scalded dog. I'm a laughing stock, the doctor said, clapping a hand to his brow. My reputation in tatters, and as for the annual resurrectionist ball, well, I can certainly forget the guest of honor invite. I had that one in the bag. Until now, of course. There was a surreptitious knock at the door of McMorning's laboratory. The doctor snatched up a bone saw, waving it overhead. I'm sorry, Sebastian, but drastic action is required. As I said before, I need a dependable assistant, and your lack of focus has caused one calamity too many. Sebastian backed away, shaking his head frantically. Brace yourself. McMorning said, advancing on long legs. This shouldn't hurt too much. The door was tapped again as stealthily as before. Oh, for goodness sake! McMorning complained, throwing up his arms. Can't a person even perform a little impromptu brain surgery in the privacy of his own laboratory without interruption? Get the door, Sebastian. But the door this time, not a shelf or a bag of shoes. He finished awkwardly in exasperation. Granted this momentary respite, Sebastian hurried to the door and yanked it open. A round-shouldered man in a dirty coat and frayed bowler hat stood outside, wringing his hands. Is the doctor in? He asked. Sebastian was shoved sideways as McMorning lunged out to grab the startled man and hauled him over the threshold, grinning theatrically. Ah, there you are. I must apologize most profusely for the other night. You see, my manservant has a very tiny brain. The man pulled a hefty velvet bag from inside his coat and dropped it into the doctor's gloved hand. What's this? McMorning asked, his reparative monologue interrupted. You're cut of the job, sir, the man said, touching the brim of his bowler. McMorning weighed the bag and heard the musical tinkle of soulstones a lot of soul stones. I say, he said. So it went well? The man cackled. I'll say, like a song it went. We was in and out in two shakes of the proverbial lamb's tail, sir. Oh, really? McMorning looked as astonished as Sebastian felt. And, and the, uh, delivery? That, that went well too? Without a hitch, sir the man said, clucking his tongue with admiration. Genius, if I may say so, sir. Genius bit of work from yourself. The doctor chuckled demurely and smoothed his tunic. Oh, nonsense, 
Not at all, sir. The thief pressed. Credit where it's due. I can see your reputation's well founded. Here's me and the boys thinking you're going to deliver as some big hulk of a creature, a veritable Goliath, with which to scare the daylights out of the watchmen. What fools we was, sir. Fools, yes. McMorning agreed, still not quite following events. Well, one look at them legs and the watchman was hooked, sir. The thief cackled. We could have waltzed past him with armfuls of gear and he'd have seen nothing but that bit of fluff. He must have thought she was a fairy popped out on All Hallows' Eve just for him. A master plan, sir, if I may say so. Oh, you're too kind, McMorning said. And now I must be off, sir, the thief said with another touch of his hat. That load of gems and script what we liberated last night won't spend itself, if you take my meaning. Me and the boys made a good start last night after the job, but we've a ways to go yet. I don't suppose you happened to pass the silver shoe on your way to spending some of that script, did you? The doctor asked carefully. As a matter of fact, we did, sir. The thief nodded, hooking his thumbs into his lapels in the manner of someone about to recant a jolly yarn. And you know, sir, we saw the funniest thing. I'll bet you did, muttered McMorning, glaring daggers at Sebastian. They brought on this dancing girl with the biggest jaw I've ever seen. Seven feet if she was an inch, sir, and that's no word of a lie. Clumping about on the stage she went. Couldn't dance a step, bless her. But that didn't stop her from trying. Let me tell you, all dolled up in this little sparkly number, what's more. Oh, God. McMorning groaned, covering his face. What a disaster. Perhaps, sir, but they couldn't get enough of it in the stalls. They was rolling in the aisle, sir. Encore after encore they brought her out for. When she fell through the stage, I thought I was gonna crack a rib I was laughing so hard. So, so she was a success? Well, I'll say, sir. The thief nodded, snickering to himself. They announced she'd be appearing every night this week. Titania, they call her. As a matter of fact, the lads and me is going back to watch the show again this evening. You're welcome to join us if you like, sir. A celebratory drink's the least you deserve. Oh, I can't. I'm washing my hair. McMorning said vacantly, his mind on the incredible stroke of good fortune that had befallen them. Behind him, Sebastian wiped at his sweating brow in relief. Well, sir, I'll be off, the thief said, tipping his hat for the final time. Thanks again. McMorning closed the door behind the departing visitor and wheeled on his nervous manservant, fixing him with a shrewd, penetrating gaze until Sebastian squirmed. You, he said, advancing towards his manservant with his arms raised. You, you. Sebastian braced himself at the end, screwing his eyes shut. You genius, McMorning cried gripping Sebastian's big skull with both hands and kissing him on the forehead. Sebastian blew a note of relief on his miniature trumpet. That's it for another episode of The Weird Chronicles. Join us next time for more tales of action and adventure. <laughs>